Welcome to By the Fiberside, a knitting and spinning podcast from the southern edge of northern Alberta, Canada. Episode 53, Hygge. It may be melting and raining and muddy as all get out outside, but inside, well, things are just wonderful. With my parents here last weekend, we were able to get pictures up on the walls, and suddenly, this little house we've lived in for four months has magically turned into a home. The housewarming was low-key and fun, and despite another unseasonal January thaw this year, winter is now in full swing, which makes this the perfect time to talk a little bit about Hygge. If you've ever seen any of those articles that float around social media now and again about untranslatable words, chances are that you've seen the word hygge. It's a Danish word that has no direct translation into English. The generally agreed upon definition is coziness plus so much more, and it's as good a start as any. My first recollection of the word comes from Denmark, back when I went on my tour and spent a month visiting with family and relearning to speak Danish. I don't know that I ever asked for a translation whenever someone said, I knew what they meant on some deep, culturally subconscious level, and I knew it meant more than it was lovely to see you. I've read articles and articles trying to put Hygge into context for those who aren't Scandinavian, and they do a decent job explaining in a few hundred words what those in Northern Europe climbs use just one for. They talk about warmth, friends and family, good food, simple pleasures, candlelight, and fending off the cold and dark of winter with warmth and light. They talk about Hygge in a cultural context, about how the mental state helps Danes be among the happiest people in the planet. Hygge may be one of those untranslatable words, but I think those of us who work with fibre have an innate understanding of it anyway. After all, what could be more hygge than sitting down with a knitting project or a spinning wheel and a nice cup of tea on a cold winter day? except maybe sitting down with a project or a wheel and the tea and a half dozen of your closest fibery friends? Is it any wonder that when the weather starts to cool down, the first thing we do is pull out the needles to make mittens and hats to keep ourselves and our loved ones warm? And really, what better word is there than hygge to explain the need we have to express our affection and compassion in fabric form when someone around us is going through a hard time? Or the compulsion to break out the yarn when we hear someone is having a child? Hygge isn't something that you make consciously. It's made up of all the small things, the efforts, gestures, responses, and positive thoughts that you have on a daily basis. You can't make a gathering a fantastic time just by trying to get everything right. Sometimes the most hygge of times is when things go wrong, when those around you pitch in and help out, and everyone still has a good time, and perhaps an even better time than they might have otherwise because they are brought together to overcome that burned meal in the oven or the fact that the movers had to come two days late. Yes, I mean our move-in four months ago. You know, it was very upsetting at the time, but the distance of four months has me looking back at it, and I realize now that it was a super hygge moment in my life. Mike came home when I couldn't handle it, Dad took over when he got here, and then Mom and Sheila came, and the five of us worked hard to get the house mostly unpacked that weekend. If ever there was anything that defined hygge, it was that weekend. 
the togetherness, the affection, the caring, and the supporting that went in all directions really spoke to how Hygge is a daily part of my life. If I didn't surround myself with Hygge-y people, it could have gone very differently. And that, I think, may be the toughest thing for all of us who want to take and internalize this concept and live it. There are lots of people out there who just can't. Heck, there are probably even people in Denmark who can't live in a Hygge-y way. And we still need to live and work with these people on a daily basis. But rather than let them mess up our hygge, we should just recognize them as coming from a different, less cozy place, and do our best not to let them douse our own welcoming warmth. The days are getting longer, but they're still more night than day, and we're headed back down below freezing this week, but that's okay by me. Last weekend, When we got the pictures on the walls and I felt the spirit of the house warm up and surround us like a blanket, I said to my parents, it's hygge now. Wherever you are, I hope you can find a way to make it hygge too. Thanks for listening. This is By the Fiberside. Fiber Week. So I had wanted to be done the one fleece exercise by this episode, and that didn't happen. Mostly because, as I mentioned last time, there's a lot of lanolin left in that fleece. And while my parents were here, I was talking to my dad about um, my idea for him to make a combination hackle slash comb set. And so I was demonstrating how the combs work. And I thought, well, I have to comb some top from this stuff anyway why don't I just use the merino and like kill two birds with one stone so I loaded up the combs with this merino and wouldn't you know but that lanolin that's left in there made it impossible to comb like it was just it was clumping and sticking together and it was hard to get off the combs and then when I'd finally gotten it through it like a couple times and I said to dad well I'm not going to do any more even though this is I would do it more if this was actually the top I was going to do and then I because he, he also wanted to see how the, the Diz worked. Because he'd made a bunch of Diz's and Diz threaders. Which, by the way, work really, really well and are super pretty. Anyway, that's an aside. Um, yeah, so I tried to Diz this stuff. And it wouldn't even, it wouldn't pull it all through at all. Like, it was impossible to Diz. So I'm like, you know what? Okay, that's it. I have to wash this stuff again. Um, I have to, like put a pot of water on the stove and, 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 you know, soak it in hot water until the lanolin gets out, maybe do this two times. And I have to figure out when to do that. And, uh, it wasn't last week cause it was, that was a rough week again, but, uh, but this Wednesday, I think I only have one appointment. So I'm planning to wash the fleece this Wednesday and then that should be dry by next weekend. And then I can finish off the one fleece exercise next weekend. But yeah, it was just, and, you know, and that makes me think I should redo, if I'm going to wash the fleece before I do the rest of the skeins, should I be redoing the flicked locks, or the, the elongated locks, and the flicked, flick carded one too? I haven't decided yet. I'm going to see how the rest of them come out. But, uh, but uh, who knows? Anyway, so they didn't get done. But I did start on the linen skeins. Because there are a few of those, and and I thought, well, I'll just get through those and, you know, just try. Just try. Figure out how to spin linen again. So I pulled out the the toe 
the toe flax top that I bought at Kaylee because the toe flax we got in class was not pretty, really not pretty. So I bought the the uh, commercially prepared toe flax, natural toe flax from Kaylee, and I've got a bunch of it. So I started spinning that and wow, you know, I have to spin more and pay attention to how it feels. Someone asked me on my Facebook page how it feels to spin linen and and, and I couldn't quite describe it. It doesn't it doesn't quite feel like grass or straw, but it's certainly not wool and it's not cotton and and yeah, I have to figure out how to describe how it feels to spin. But it was fun. It was really fun to spin that. Uh, even just the toe. So I spun that up and plied it and threw it in the sink and it was the the water was super dirty. It's quite dusty. And uh, so I washed it twice and then hung it to dry. And then I also, I, I'd spun enough. I spun about 40 yards. No, not 40, more like 30, which was enough for me to do the natural toe flax skein for my workbook and also the uh, the the natural flax skein that I do have to bleach, which so that was good. I'm like two two birds one stone, and it it almost balanced, balanced enough that I was okay with it. And you know what? If I'm not happy with it, I'll replace it later. Then I spun the bleach toe flax. I found the staple length on that quite a bit shorter, and it was a, it was a, a little more difficult to spin, but it's like nice and bright and white. And I have got a whole bunch of that too. And you may hear Stella playing with her mousy in the background. Sorry about that. She just needs to be near me or something like that and play with her mousy. Where was I? Right, yes, bleach toe flax. Staple length is quite a bit shorter and a little more difficult to spin, but still a really nice, um, a really nice yarn like a like a a nice white linen yarn I've got a bunch of it so I have a feeling I'm going to be spinning up the flax instead of the cotton for my level five dyeing skeins and I'll probably spin up because I've got so much of it I'll probably spin up the oh Stella I'll probably spin up the bleached and then I spun my Lindsay Woolsey skein so I did some looking online to try and figure out what a what a good mix was and mostly when you google Lindsay Woolsey you get you know talking about uh, cloth with a linen warp and a woolen weft but of course that doesn't help when you're trying to spin a Lindsay Woolsey skein so I I finally found a reference to a commercial prep which was 40% linen and 60% wool so I thought okay that that sounds good to me so by weight I did 60% thin wool top and 40% of the natural toe flax. And the reason I chose the fin was because the staple length was quite long, which matched well with the toe flax. And uh, and they, they matched fairly evenly. So I carded up, I think it worked out to about 6 grams in total of of the, uh, the blend. And I did a two, three passes through the cards. Gave me a, a fairly even blend. And then I spun it, and that was fun too. Like it was super fun. Like, like you've got the you've got the the stability and the and the feel and the elasticity from the wool, and then you've got this smooth the smooth, you know, plant feel of the flax. And both fibers were fairly long, and they went together really well. So I spun that and I applied it, 
and and washed it and and that was yesterday and uh, this morning I sat down and <clears throat> and uh, made up the skeins to go in my workbook so I've got the three skeins in my workbook plus one which uh, this afternoon I spent four hours boiling in dish soap with no appreciable difference in color which is a little disappointing so I'm gonna have to do some more looking on you know, and I looked in the, the level four workbook and I looked in my practical spinner's guide to <clears throat> cotton, um, flax and cotton, cotton, flax and hemp. And it all says basically just to, to boil it and dry it in the sun and do it several times. So maybe I should have only boiled it for two hours and dried it and then try it again. Anyway, it's drying now. Um, tomorrow night I might have time to give it another boil and then possibly Wednesday during the day depending on how many pots I've I'm using to wash fleece or if I decide just to you know turn up turn up the temperature on the water heater and do it that way it'll be easier and more water efficient to use the pots though so I think I'll do it that way So yeah, so I've got three skeins plus most of another uh, of the linen in my workbook. So then I was looking at the line flax because that pretty much finishes me off for toe flax, which is the the short stuff. And then the line flax, you have to spin five skeins from line flax. And I was looking in the workbook on these different things and and like you know spin spin a line flax using the muff method and then it goes on to describe it and it makes absolutely no sense and there are no pictures which is a little frustrating so i'm going to have to look that up online see if i can find it and if i can't then i'll just email donna uh, our level four teacher and ask her to explain it to me differently or perhaps send me a picture of the finished product and when I do figure it out, I'm going to add it to my reference resources page on my website because I'm probably not going to be the only one who can't figure out what the heck the muff method is. So I'll add pictures of and and <clears throat> other instructions for each of the methods in the workbook that you have to do. So, yeah, and I have an idea. We um, Donna gave us each a little piece of paper and a ribbon that we can use for a distaff. And I figure I'll take my swift, my umbrella swift, and clamp it onto a stool and put the put the paper around the top and there's my distaff. So for the for the moment I can I can probably get those ones done fairly easily as soon as I can figure out how actually to spin them. So so that's good. And then I thought, well there's only two cotton skeins <clears throat> and so I'll break up my tackly and spin my cotton skein. And I'm using the green, the natural green easy spin cotton. And apparently this time around I want to spin the sewing thread. Which isn't going so well right now. It breaks every once in a while and I don't know if it's from too little or too much twist. So I'm going to probably see if I can get it a little bigger in terms of grist. But... Uh, I don't know, it's kind of fun spinning sewing thread. I might see if I can just do it and then, you know, and then have it. That could be my my cotton skein on the tackly. I might switch to the Sea Island, though. It might be the green 
that's being a problem. But you know, it's it's working and it's easy to spin. I just have to figure out where where I'm running into problems with the uh, with the with the snapping, which leads me into the discussion of level three, because module A one and A two are the cotton skeins. Now, if you remember from way back when I was actually doing the cotton skeins, I was having a really hard time with it. It's such a short stapled fiber and it's not, it's not my default spin, let's be honest. I, I spin worsted, not woolen. But once I started to figure out how cotton worked, because it's so different from wool, I started to get the hang of it. And apparently I got the hang of it well enough to actually get decent marks. The uh, I lost a couple of marks, and I'm not 100% sure why, but I did. Um, I lost marks on the warp. Um, the comment that Mar gave me was no recipe for sizing, and also on the set skein, no notes on setting. And I'm, I'm a little... I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, you know, I I passed really well. I don't need to fight for marks. Um, But the way I set up my workbook was I had all the skeins in the front and all the writing in the back. And in the writing, I made notes on what I used to size it, including, you know, proportions and, and all of that, and also what I did to set the skein. So... I included them, but I guess I didn't include them in the right spot. So like I said, I'm not going to fight about it, but maybe when you're putting together your workbook, you may want to put the notes or or put something on your label that says, see, you know, the writing section for notes on sizing or notes on setting or what have you. So, so what you have in modules A1 and A2 is a gin cotton skein, a cotton roving skein, cotton for warp, uh, plaid cotton that's been set, and a cotton silk blend. And, you know, all of these, once I got the hang of the cotton, worked out really well. Now, how did I get the hang of the cotton? It really helped, and and I don't want to say go buy this book, but you maybe, if you're having trouble with cotton, it may be good to take this book out from the library and read the cotton section. But um, the Practical Spinner's Guide to Cotton, Flax, and Hemp by Stephanie Gostad really helped me. And also, you know, talking to Caroline uh, Sommerfeld, at, she came in to talk to our Level 4 class about cotton. And it's it's all about recognizing that cotton is very different from wool and has to be spun in a different way. And what really helped me was the idea that as you're spinning the cotton, you just you put enough twist in it so that you have proto yarn, and this is what Gostad said, especially for the tackly. So you have proto yarn, so that if you pull it up, if you pull it at all, it's it's gonna it's gonna split. And then you start adding the twist. You add you add a bunch of twist and then pull a little bit to even it out, even out the blobs, and then and then put all the twist in that you need. And apparently there's this magic place where the yarn feels crisp, but not brittle. And with my sewing thread, I have to find that spot. 
So I'm going to be practicing with my tackly. We also have to spin a skein on a flyer wheel, and I will... It shouldn't take too much to do that. I think I still have some cotton left on my bobbins. I'll just whip that off and and uh, and spin a new skein of cotton for my level four. But if you're <clears throat> if you're having trouble with cotton, it's worth checking out Gostad's book and just kind of stepping back and saying, okay, I'm, I'm learning to spin something new here. It's, it's not going to be like anything I've ever spun before and being patient with yourself. And, and I know I was guilty of not being patient with myself when I was learning to spin this. I got very frustrated, but you have to take the time to, to, to learn it. It is new. It is different. And I mean, honestly, when we were spinning in class, the easiest cotton I found to spin was straight off the ball, straight off of unprocessed, just, just spinning straight off the seed. And that was a lot of fun. So if you can find cotton balls, it's harder, but if you can find cotton balls, you can give that a try. So that is cotton on level three. The next episode is modules B1 and 2, which is silk. And hopefully by next episode, I will have, at the very least, my fleece washed, a few more linen skeins, and who knows what else. Fiber Notes Well, if the last couple of weeks were pretty tough for the homework, they were even tougher for everything else. It was really wonderful to have my parents here and to get the pictures on the walls and, and to have the housewarming party, even though, I mean, it, it was pretty low-key. There was only, you know, four of my friends and one of Mike's that showed up, so we'll definitely have to have another party some other time. But But I just got so tired afterwards. I even had to stay home from work one morning and just sleep to be able to get through the day. So that kind of sucked. And there was a lot of, you know, I I did some reading. And and so when I'm reading, I can't obviously knit or do any fiber work. And uh, yeah, it's just been this last week that I've started to get back into it. So obviously, I didn't get my Kindle Cozy pattern finished knitting or submitted to knit picks. And, and, you know, I'm okay with that. You know, it gives me more time to kind of figure out what I'm doing, make up a, a proper pattern and, you know, a couple of prototypes and, uh, and, you know, get, get some tech editing done on my pattern before I put it out there into the wild. So, so that's okay. I'm, I'm cool with that, but it's not finished. Um, interestingly enough, I'm, I think the pattern that I made is too long. So I have to figure out where I'm going to cut off my, my little picture and see how it all looks. So it'll probably be two or three prototypes at least before I'm comfortable enough with the pattern that, that I think it'll be good to go. I did get a couple more rows in on Mystere and, uh, I had to print, like I had to print out the 
the stitch guide. And once you actually know kind of what's happening in the pattern, it's not really all that difficult. And of course, the rows are getting slightly shorter at this point, but everyone is getting shorter, not longer. So, so I think that will go fairly well. But uh, I haven't done too much knitting on it. What I've been doing most actually is spinning. I, uh, my, the, the friend who loaned me, loaned me the combs, she is, uh, she's giving me the set of big ones. And I said, I'll pay you for it. Well, no, she did not. She didn't want money. She wanted yarn or I offered yarn. So I've been spinning up the, uh, the roving that I picked up a couple weeks ago at Kaylee. Now this is uh, West Coast Fibers, Lynn Anderson's, um, work. And it's a blue face Leicester silk. And I'm almost done the one half already. It uh, It's going fairly quickly. I'm spinning it a little heavier than the merino silk and yak. And, uh, and so it's going, it's going fairly quickly. Now I have 200 grams of this instead of only 119. So once it's plied, it'll probably take me between four and five hours to ply the whole thing, I expect. So yeah, that'll be fun. But, uh, but yeah, I'd, I'd like to get this done before the next time I see Lana. So that's kind of where my focus is in terms of spinning. It's on the e-spinner, so it's easy to cart back and forth to work. And I've actually just put Mister in the bag as well. So, so that that can go back and forth to work with me as well. If I want to spin or knit, it's all there. So that's really all I've been working on. Still haven't tried the three and a half millimeter needles for the orange sweater still haven't done any more on the blanket i have been with my experience spinning flax i have been looking for a summer hat to make out of the three skeins of hemp yarn that i have in my stash haven't found one that's good yet i have just about 600 yards of the merino silken yak which is too really too much for a scarf and really too little for a proper stole. So what I'm thinking of doing is finding a scarf pattern that takes about 300 to 400 meters or yards of yarn and then you know making sure like adding a adding a like a pattern repeat or two to make it a little wider. So I'm still trying to find the right the right pattern for that in my spare time. But you know, I'm, I'm hoping, you know, the, the days are getting longer. I mean, winter is definitely still here, but it looks like the next week we're not going much lower than about minus 15. So I'm hoping I'll be able to sort of, you know, settle in and be able to get myself going again. I got quite a bit of rest this weekend, even with all the homework that I did. So I'm hoping. But yeah, not much done on the fiber note side, just a lot of spinning and a, a little bit of knitting. Hopefully next couple of weeks will be a little more productive. By the wayside. I missed last Saturday night. I mean, obviously with company, you just don't, you know, say, oh, I got to I gotta work on my by the wayside project now. So So I missed last Saturday night and that was okay. You know, I sat down this week, Thursday I think it was, and I worked on Christmas Elegance a little bit. 
And then I sat down last night and worked on it again. And uh, last night I actually got finished all of the dark green, which was really, I was really happy about that. It was, it was what I wanted to get done last night. And that was good. So while I was boiling my flax skein this afternoon for a little bit, I, uh, I took a look at the place. And you know, it's funny, when I finished off the dark green, it was like, there's no other place except that one spot that was wrong. Everything else lined up, everything else was fine. Okay, all right, well, if it's just the one spot, that's, that's really good. So then I sat down this afternoon while I was boiling my flax and worked on it a little bit more. Hi, Stella. <laughs> and uh, and then what I, I decided to do was just sort of go in that into that area that that I needed to fudge because I'm like I'll just get that done. Everything else lines up all as well. So I picked some of the lighter colors and I was putting them in there. And then I got to looking at it and I kind of turned my head from side to side a little bit and went, okay, I'm missing a stitch on the left side of this little block but I have an extra stitch on the right side of this little block. So it's not that there was anything wrong with the rest of the pattern. It was that I was one stitch off on where I'd put that block. So I pulled that one back and moved it over. And that was a dark green block. So yeah, it all worked out. And now everything's fine. There's no problems. Everything is great. In fact, everything is so great that I only have, barring, as I'm sure there are, single stitches of missed stitches of colors, barring those, I have four colors left before I'm finished the cross-stitching on Christmas Elegance. Four. One, two, three, four. They're all greens. Well, that's a lie. They're not all greens. There's two greens and about six or nine stitches of reds. But the rest are greens. And if you actually take a look at the picture on the website uh, or on Ravelry, it's uh, there's still a lot left. There's a lot of green. I'm a little worried about running out of one color, but I'm not sure yet that I will. It's, you know, the, the, the floss goes a long way. So I'm hoping I don't, but uh, I'm making preparations if I do. With the dark green... I can tell, because I'm looking for it, that there's two different dye lots, that there's that it's just slightly lighter. I'm hoping once I get everything filled in around it, it's not going to be nearly as noticeable. But yeah, I'm doing really well. You know, like four, four colors of floss, plus the little single stitches that I'm sure are out there. And then the, the gold, which is the next after I'm done the cotton. And then beading. And then Christmas Elegance is ready for its bath and ready to be handed back to my sister. So, I mean, it's not going to happen in the next two weeks. I'm not, <laughs> there's a lot left to do, but, uh, but I'm glad I chose this one because, you know, next couple months, probably I'm thinking spring, it'll be ready to go. So that, uh, that feels pretty good. And my wrists aren't bothering me yet. So this, uh, this sticking to only a couple couple days a week is uh, is a good idea. So that's the By the Wayside update. 
Thank you for joining me for episode 53. By the Fiberside is a bi-weekly podcast, and I look forward to bringing you episode 54 on February 8th, 2015. Show notes for this episode can be found at www.bythefiberside.com. Join the discussion on Facebook or Ravelry. If you need to get in touch with me directly, you can email me at ness, as in Loch Ness, at bythefiberside.com. Thanks again for listening. This is By the Fiberside.